0: The Movie Hour, episode 36, May 28, 2009. Spoiler alert, the following hour of programming may contain both movie plots and swearing. Hello and welcome to the Martha Plimpton Speed Dating Movie Hour. This is Greg Maloney, podcasting from Lake Orion, Michigan.
1: And this is Jim Maloney, podcasting to you from Rochester Hills, Michigan.
0: For everyone that has been following Facebook closely, checking it, refreshing every minute to get updates on Jeff Hendrickson, who is not going to be able to make it to the show today. He was uh, actually in the hospital yesterday for pneumonia. He's He wants everyone to know he's okay. He's actually got out of the hospital today. He had some kind of... Uh, pneumonia that didn't that didn't respond well to antibiotics so he's he's okay he just had to go get an IV. everything's okay and uh he just wanted to let everyone know that he would make it to the show if possible but barring hospitalization he just he just could not make it
1: Actually, Greg, I had talked to Jeff earlier, and he said it probably wouldn't be a big deal if he actually said what he really had. Um, he's We're actually taking donations if people want to help cover his hospital bill. Um, you can call the number uh, 1-800-THE-CLAP, and uh, we have an operator standing by. Uh, if, if you don't have a phone, you can go online and go to www.mybodyisatoilet.com, and also leave a... A donation that way.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, he'll uh, he'll he'll love that. He'll love that. And uh, we, as business must go on, um, although Jeff cannot make it today, uh, James and I will carry the show. It will be a, a brotherly discussion today, and yeah. hopefully you guys can keep up.
1: Yeah, and I know you know people are gonna miss their Jeff, so I'm gonna do my best to you know cover my part. And um, I'm actually uh, gonna drink in place of Jeff today. Um, I have a bottle of Crown
0: Royal here in the room, and I'm gonna
1: take two <laughs> shots today during the podcast. One of which I will take right
0: now. That's sort of uh, upsetting because you actually added some sobriety to the show. Usually I was the middle ground, and you were one <laughs> end, and he was the other extreme. That's great.
1: Uh, yeah. So that's one down. One more. To did come you, later actually on one? did yes, you actually drink one? Yes, I did. Wow,
0: that is awesome. In honor Congratulations. Of Jeff. That's great. Jeff, I hope I hope you're happy. I hope you're happy with yourself. If if you are, uh, if you do want to follow Jeff's uh, recovery from pneumonia onto uh, normal Jeff status, you can go to uh, Facebook and go to the Movie Hour page. Or uh, there's some there's some uh, multiple threads. Uh, attributed to Jeff's recovery at thegungabit.com. Um, we do uh, want to discuss movies per usual. That is what we do here at the Movie Hour. And there were some some interesting things that happened over the weekend, and some uh, some of our reviews that we have to discuss. But this is also our final Music in May segment, which uh, we will be addressing toward the end of the show after our box office smash. Which we will start with the Night at the Museum. Which was out, came out this weekend, came out versus Terminator, and the, it dominated, did it not, James?
1: Yeah, it got taken pretty good. Um, I think the final tally for just the weekend was, uh, Night of the Museum 70 mil and Terminator like 52. Even with Terminator's, like, few day had started, it only got 65, so. Yeah. It, oh yeah, it, cause it didn't, ter- fare very well.
0: Terminator opened on Thursday yeah, or Wednesday, or
1: Wednesday okay. night or whatever, you know, that midnight oh. or whatever. So, it's the
0: Ben Stiller, it's the Ben Stiller effect. Like, yeah, Jeff, Jeff underestimated it, and look where Jeff is—not here. That's for <laughs> actually sure.
1: he, him, and you were the ones that were saying that, uh, that yeah. the museum would do better. I was the one that took the opposite road there, so I failed
0: miserably. That is true. That is true. There, I, I just—I don't know. Maybe the Christian Bale yelling at everybody sort of turned everyone off from it. But I heard Terminate, like some of our friends Alter mayor and like it was your generic action flick, but yeah. I didn't think it was too bad.
1: Yeah, I got—I think we heard one report of a, a kind of really bad viewing. In fact, uh, I think he said that people actually booed at one part, so that's pretty strong if people actually stood up to boo.
0: There were, uh, there are actually, there were some other box office stuff to discuss today, which you had claimed before. Star Trek got another 20 mil this weekend, I think it was, and it's it's brought us very, very close to Star Trek outing uh, Monsters vs. Aliens as number one for 2009 thus far.
1: Yeah, I think it's only like 800 grand behind at this point right now, so uh, I'll have to... Even up my uh, my predictions from last week, since I failed on that one, I should be able to to make this one pretty good. I actually well, s- ended up seeing uh, Star Trek this past weekend too, so you know I was helping my numbers. Yeah, know, it you,
0: I know we've sort of said you know Star Trek's done; we're not talking about it anymore. But I'll I'll, I'll allow it. What would you think of it?
1: Um, I thought it would, was pretty good. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, bones. His character was a little forced on the screen. I'm not sure if it was his fault though, or a lot of the writing. It seemed like, yeah, especially when you first meet his character, he just goes off on this, you know, big rant. So yeah. it's like they just, you know, shoved as much dialogue towards him as, you know, he he, you know, they possibly could. But uh yeah, some of the, his scenes, like actually on the bridge of the Enterprise and saying his little his little bits were were a little forced. But uh, and Simon Pegg, I liked, but to me, he was still just Simon Pegg. He wasn't. Scotty, but he was still uh, right. uh pretty entertaining. And his sidekick was a little annoying, but uh and I I think they've did the right thing with going with this whole little alternate reality side storyline. It kinda opens the doors for them too.
0: The Simon Pegg thing I did want to mention was the scene with him in the tube was just completely ridiculous. So yeah, was, this yeah. was, editing room floor is where that shit ended up, but uh, pretty good movie. And apparently, if uh, you guys keep on going on and seeing it, you'll be uh, putting Star Trek in uh, the number one spot for 2009. Which brings us to our next movie, which hasn't even come out yet. And that's Up, the new Pixar animation that's coming out this Friday, or is it Thursday? Uh, I'm Maybe. not sure on that. Um, it is actually, it's coming out Friday, so you'll be hearing this Thursday or possibly later, so it's coming out this weekend. And, what do you think? Like, is it gonna, is it probably gonna have the power to, uh, push past these two?
1: Um, yeah, it'll probably be top seven. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um actually, I think it might struggle a little bit. I think it might have a little bit of, not that Wally was a bust or anything, but I think it might fall more into the Wally style Pixar movies where it's everyone thinks it's a really good movie and it is a good movie, but the box office just won't be there for it. I think just the fact that there's pretty much only two characters in this movie is going to hurt it a little bit. Because if you end up not liking the old man or the kid in the movie, then the movie's kind of screwed. So we'll see how that pans mm-hmm. out, though. But uh yeah, I think it'll be a good movie, but it might suffer a little bit. Although I did watch the trailer again today, and it it kind of you know gave me a little bit more optimism for it.
0: Isn't there, like, I've, I haven't i have seen the trailer in a while, I just remember, you know, him taking off, I, I remember seeing him in a jungle at some point, like, there are going to be other characters, it's just not, like, I guess they are the two main ones.
1: Right, yeah, I think there's one other, like, dog with, like, a talking collar or something in there, and uh, other than that, the only thing I've seen is, like, a, I guess the villain of the the uh, movie.
0: The villain of the movie is what? Is it um, another balloon yeah, guy? Yeah, it's, it's like a computer old them? man, I
1: don't know exactly why they're at odds, but. The trailer I saw has got an old man trying to hunt them down with,
0: like, an army That's great. of mutts. So why do you think, so you think that uh, um Wally, which, by the way, I saw this weekend again, just because I wanted to hear people go, wall and <laughs> see it over and over. Uh Wally you think Wally didn't make that, how much did Wally make, do you know?
1: I don't know, but I don't remember it being, like, a huge blockbuster movie, so maybe yeah, I'm wrong point. on that, but I, I don't think it's going to be, like, your, you know, a Toy Story or Finding Nemo-style mega hit or anything like that. I mean, it's going to be a modest hit, obviously, but yeah, I just don't think yeah. it's going to be upper echelon.
0: I guess we'll have to wait till later in the season then for something to actually compete.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So we do need to uh, do our movie reviews. What was uh, what was the movie you caught other than Star Trek, which uh, we've sort of set aside already? What, what was the other movie you wanted to talk about?
1: Um, the movie I saw this week was the 2007 Best Picture Oscar winner, No Country for
0: Old Men. Oh, thank God! You finally saw this movie. You're starting to take down your Coen Brothers flicks too. Yeah,
1: yeah, I am. Um, it was it was good. I liked it. Um, like I said, it won uh, Best Picture. Won uh, I think three other Oscars as well. Um, the movie is about a, a man in Texas who is out hunting out in the wilderness, just out in the middle of nowhere, and he stumbles across a scene that's a Appears to be a drug deal gone wrong. Like all the people are dead. and, You know, there's a truck full of heroin, but there's no case of money, and there's no last man or last man standing. So he kind of follows this trail out to a tree, finds the guy, and finds his attaché, and it's got two million dollars in it. And the drug or the uh, the guy ends up keeping the money and not reporting it, and just kind of leaving the scene and letting it sort itself out. Um, that man is uh, played by. My boy, or at least, you know, appointed... Yeah, to your big the, boy. Yeah, Josh Brolin. So, and I think he does a really good job in this. Um, and what ends up happening is, of course, you know, the the, the criminal element appears, and it's uh, um, this this hitman assassin. He's just a cold, brutal killer type guy, and he's just on the trail of Josh Brolin hunting him down, and that's played by uh, Javier Bardem, who's excellent in this. Um, he, <laughs> he won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, actually, uh, for this movie. Um So, yeah, the, the ensuing story is all about, you know, Brolin running for his life from Bardem. Um, both of them are, you know, really good in this. Um, Tommy Lee Jones makes an appearance. Uh, I think he fits in pretty well. He's a, a local sheriff who's trying to kind of avoid the whole case, but it's like in his jurisdiction, but he's trying to avoid involvement and he's just trying to come to terms with the fact that this world is, you know, a lot more violent place than it used to be. So he just, he knows that this is bad news and he's, he's begrudgingly investigating it, but, you know, keeping his nose clean at the same time. Um, so
0: t- w- one thing I'd have to interject is Jeff would probably ask if you thought Kelly McDonald was hot in it. And that's, that's the Josh, Bur- big boy Josh Berlin's fiance or wife. Yes,
1: yes, I thought she was good looking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who was also in uh, The Merry Gentleman, which is the Michael Keaton's comeback he, movie. Yeah, I
1: noticed that when I was kind of looking at the IMDb for this, but uh, yeah. Then second
0: question, which is actually my question, what do you think of Woody Harrelson's uh, small small role in this? Yeah,
1: I was going to bring him up as one of the things I actually didn't like, only because what? every time I see Woody Harrelson, it's Woody Harrelson. It's not a character to me. I, he just <laughs> doesn't do anything else besides play himself in it. Like, it sticks out. Like, not that he was bad, like, he might was kind of perfect. I don't know. So, that, so
0: does that mean... I, I yeah, shouldn't was- say
1: he would fit in well because Tommy Lee Jones is playing Tommy Lee Jones and he fit in a lot better, I thought. So I guess... I don't know. I just don't... I'm not a big Woody Harrelson fan. But so you see
0: Samuel L. and Samuel L. like... Yeah, and I kind of you don't like him a lot of times, too. Oh, man. Interesting. But, uh,
1: yeah. Um, my favorite part about this whole movie is their use of silence in this. Because the dialogue is not constant whatsoever. There's just... Long stretches of no talking, just people prepping or walking or moving in here and moving there. And then when the dialogue actually does start, it just seems that more potent, uh, more, you know, just important stuff. So I, I thought they did a really good job of that.
0: The I ra- think I don't think there's a soundtrack for this movie, is there? I don't think there's any music, period.
1: Um. Yeah, I don't remember any actual music, no. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good choice. Yeah. Um, But, uh, there's actually two scenes in the movie that I didn't really care for. Not that they were huge, but I just didn't understand why they were in there whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, other than that, it was a great movie. I recommend it. It's probably my second favorite of the, uh, Cohen or the Cohen, uh, genre. So,
0: not bad. Pretty good stuff. Second favorite first being Raising Arizona. I know we have this discussion every time you
1: actually catch one of these movies. Yeah, Raising Arizona is number one for me. This one's number two. And
0: Lebowski and Fargo fight for number three. Jeez, man. You need to see Barton Fink. You need to see a lot of them still. I haven't seen them all either. But yeah, uh, No Country for Old Men, I would also throw my uh, seal approval on. Great, great, uh, great movie. And a lot, like a lot of, a lot of symbolism for the, you know, a lot of theatrical elements for all those people that are sort of like movie snobs. But then there's a lot of, a lot of action and like emotion in this movie too for everybody yeah, that's Really good to, movie. Yeah, wants to watch it. This it. is
1: easily the best movie that I've ever reviewed so far, I think. Not that um, there's a lot to, you know, stand up to it in my...
0: Yeah, my, the movie I want to discuss isn't as, is I wouldn't give as many, uh, many, uh, cheers for. I saw, uh, Taken. It's a movie starring Liam Neeson, 2008. Not, not, too, not, uh, not that long ago. And I was, when I saw it, I actually ended up seeing it because my, our cousin, uh, Matt, who watches, like, just generic action flicks, he's like the generic action flick guy. He'll go watch the stupidest things and, and like him, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's the reason. And I God, God it. bless him for it. God bless him for it. But, <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, the reason I caught the
1: day that stood still. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so Liam Neeson actually plays, uh, a retired, he calls himself a preventer, which, you know, it sounded like he pretty much worked for like the CIA or for some central intelligence where he had to prevent assassinations, but you don't, you don't see any of that. You just hear it in dialogue. And he's quit doing that just to try to form a relationship with his daughter who is now, uh, pretty much under the, um, another protection, under the, I don't know, the mom pretty much has full custody of her. And so he went, he's trying to re, uh, reconstruct his relationship with his daughter. And, uh, what ends up happening is his daughter ends up going across to Europe. And of course she gets, you know, s- snagged by some human trafficking prostitution ring people. And he has to go over there and save her. That uh, was your time,
1: or that was your chance to work in the uh, movie title, by the way. Oh, she was taken. taken.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I was too, First thing uh, I would have to mention for Jeff is Famke Jensen's in this movie. Not very much, though. She does a decent job, but also always a worthy, worthy attraction. Um, and what ends up happening is, so Liam Neeson goes over there and ends up doing some investigative work, but a lot of just kicking ass and taking names and trying to figure out where his, where his daughter is and, of course, eventually finds her. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but... What did fascinate slash surprise me is I didn't know Liam Neeson could pull off, like, the badass guy, and he does a pretty good job in it. Like, you know, you see Qui-Gon in in Star Wars, and I guess he did Rob Roy, so you've got that, but really, he's always been, like, just the intellectual, I'm smarter than you, I'm going to figure this out, or I'm going to do this, and... But he actually kicks kicks some ass. and I I was sold on it. I thought he would, if I see Liam Neeson, I'm going to back off cuz he's going to he's going to break my leg or something.
1: That kind of reminds me of the reaction I had to when Matt Damon started out the Bourne stuff. Like Matt I, Damon is an action hero? Okay, whatever.
0: Yeah, I never actually saw any of those. He actually did a good job in it. Yeah, sold he sold it. Yeah. Yeah. Um I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend this movie outright. If you wanted to see see a, a movie to pass the time, so be it. A girl,
1: fell in love, glad as I can be.
0: The girl love, as, I can be. as mentioned before, this is our final Music in May segment. Uh, today we will be discussing pop music in movies. This has been, we, when we first started this, we had to pick four topics that, you know, that we could, we could live with, that we could pull off, and that we were really important to us. And this one we decided to do the, this is our, uh, finale, if you will. Uh, pop music was, a big thing for Jeff. Got uh, R.I.P. Jeff, and uh, it was a big, a big thing for James and I. And we, <laughs> we are, are really pumped to discuss it today.
1: Speaking of R.I.P., I'll drink to him. This will be my second drink for. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: it, I like, I like where your heads at, James. But if you were Jeff, <laughs> you would be on like four. So, I, I like, this it,
1: is, this is pretty good for me. Trust it's, me. It's,
0: it's what little you can do, I guess. It's, every, every shot counts. Every shot counts, James. Uh, um, yeah, but, that might be the end of that. <laughs> This this is also arguably pop music in movies is probably like even the most important one, the most effective, the most the one with the most impact. And I would really have to say, like, so we've discussed musicals, soundtracks, original soundtracks, instrumental, and also movies about music or about musicians, and just a pop song in a movie can either. Break a, it can even make a movie, it can make it popular, and it can even make the song popular in the band and bring it back and make millions. And it's just. it seems like a really important part, regardless of uh, the effective attachment in the movie.
1: Yeah, I'd have to say so. Uh, actually, it's my second favorite segment. I, I actually prefer the instrumental uh, soundtracks more than the uh, the pop music ones. But not by much. It's, it's definitely a close race. But yeah, going back to your money-making comment, yeah. Um, I mean, I was just looking at the list of the top ten selling soundtracks, and every single one of the top ten are you know pop music style soundtracks and other instrumental stuff. So yeah, right. definitely on that end of things, it's a huge moneymaker. So putting
0: aside preference and putting aside the moneymaking, like putting a pop song in a movie and putting in like putting it in the right spot in the right time, do you think it could be more effective than an actual like having the right soundtrack, like instrumental, the like original soundtrack? <laughs>
1: Um, I wouldn't say more. I would say as effective. Okay. I, th- I think you know, depending on the usage, it, it could be very integral of you know setting the mood or setting the you know the setting or whatever you know. So I, I think it could be just as effective as you know an instrumental one.
0: Right. Right. But th- like, um, it seems like a lot of different, like a lot of directors have. Sort of like a nick, a, uh, a knack for picking songs to throw in movies that just work out really well and they manipulate them to, to their needs. And the first one that came to my head was Wes Anderson. I talk about Wes Anderson all the time, and I know Jeff does too. And he just does such a great job with just the scene and setting, and he takes these Takes songs and melds them together, and almost manipulates them to the scene he puts them in, and he just does such a great job. And that teamed up with a Mark Mothersbaugh like soundtrack, it just does it does does very well. And he always he like does a he does a mixture of it. Like in uh, Life Aquatic, he had tons of covers of uh, David Bowie songs. In Rushmore, you see some Nico, you see all kinds of pretty much like seventies on.
1: Yeah, I think he's got a really unique style, and it seems like it's a dying art. You know, having a director who likes to put music in the forefront of movies. It seems like a lot of times music's in the background, and you know, you get you buy a soundtrack or you see a soundtrack, and it's like this was even in the movie. I don't remember that, but he's really good at bringing them to the forefront and using some unique uh, music in the scenes that he's using.
0: Yeah, it's well, he's not he's not the only one, but he does a great job. And you're right, some people do put. They take a movie, and it's, it almost seems like sometimes you watch it, and the music is almost like running the scene. It's not the actors that's sort of like behind it, and then you have the setting, and the music's right up in front. And I think I yeah, think you're right. I think m- it does the music's pretty much a character in his yeah. movies, which is good, which yeah.
1: really suits his style, and he does really good use of it. Right, kind of reminds me of. uh and I don't even know who did the the movie, but uh, Juno is kind of like that too. It Kind of has that feel to it.
0: Uh, Juno ended up actually being by uh, was the same guy that did. It's Jason Reitman. It's the same guy that did. Uh, uh, Thank You for Smoking is is one of them he did, but that that wasn't the one I was thinking of. But he picked a lot of original songs. He didn't he didn't take old songs that everyone recognized. He took you know a lot of all right. Let's make this guy an all star. This song looks sounds good, and they put he put together some unknowns and. Actually, you know, made a great soundtrack out of it and made some people some money. I'm sure that's something like to bring up. Like these songs show up in movies and they can just explode. These bands aren't even you know ready for the amount of attention they're going to get.
1: Yeah, um, Juno is definitely like that. I think Wes Anderson, Wes Anderson, not so, you know so much, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's great when a director will put in a song that you've never heard of. I mean, a lot of these songs that I love from soundtracks are songs I. Wouldn't know about him unless I seen him in the movie, right? Right. I mean, just thinking about it, I mean, I didn't know who the hell the Beta Band was until <laughs> my Fidelity showed it to me, and you know, he said, "Right now, I am going to sell five copies of the Beta Band," and I probably would have been one of them.
0: Yeah. What reminds me of <laughs> what that reminds me of is uh, uh, another director I want to talk about was Quentin Tarantino. But when I saw Pop F- Pulp Fiction and the uh, girl, you'll be a woman soon that i urge overkill is the one that does that song but it's actually uh a neil uh neil diamond song right yep, yep and definitely. yeah so it's a it's a cover or it's a remake and i had to, i pretty much rediscovered neil diamond through that i'm like man this is awesome i can't believe i didn't listen to this before and that like again like quentin tarantino does a pretty good job with just look at the kill bills and all the song all the songs yeah. and those that are actually made a memorable but yeah. um Pulp Fiction was a great, great, and uh, that's definitely an eclectic mix, that's for sure. And yeah. other than that, um, I think he's, I think he's done a great job.
1: Yeah, Quentin has a really good ear for picking songs that are old and like wasn't very famous, and using them in the soundtrack, kind of like, you know, kind of like he's geeking out is, you know, at samurai films for Kill Bill. I mean, he does it with his music. It seems like it's just like he's such a fan of the the old, you know, you know, just. Underground music that he brings it to the forefront with his, you know, like Pulp Fiction. It's like a bunch of, you know, it's like pretty much surfer style music.
0: And um, had, and I was gonna say Reservoir Dogs. You have Steelers Wheels, The Stuck in the Middle with You, which yeah, ended up resurging that song over and over again.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. There's quite a few in Reservoir Dogs that are that are good. The uh, the coconut songs in there also. <laughs> <laughs> there was, like, uh, even yeah. Kill Bill. A couple of the songs sample the old western. Um, scores from, uh, the good and the bad and the ugly, and they've, you know, moved it into a different, you know, song and used it there. So, yeah, there's lots of good stuff there.
0: And some of that, well, and some of that also was, uh, the Rizza original soundtrack stuff, though, too. Like, some of that sampling, uh, was actually right. put yeah. in the movie. <laughs> specific thing I want to bring up before we move on to movies that we like that just had a good good mix was songs that are made for movies. They're contracted to make a song for the movie that Again, might launch the movie successfully, but also uh, might make that artist uh, really, ri- really really rich. And there are, there are a lot of examples. Uh, the one, Footloose, would be an easy one. Mrs. Robinson. Simon Garfunkel was big also, but Mrs. Robinson was a big one from The Graduate. The only other thing I could think of that I really wanted to, wanted to discuss was Where's My Mind?, in Fight Club by the Pixies, the Pixies were already big, but this was another resurgence where every, people heard that you know, 16, 17 year seventeen-year-olds saw that movie and heard that song, and they're just like, "Wow, Pixies! I'm looking into them." And um, that's sorry, that's sorry. I, I sort of got off on track. That movie wasn't made for wasn't made for that movie. But Mr. Yes. Robinson, Footloose.
1: So, somebody who's really good at uh, doing that is Kenny Loggins. I mean, you have Footloose, like you had mentioned. Yeah. Um, I'm all right. I'm pretty sure it was made for. Caddyshack, but I'm not positive on that. But he definitely did Danger Zone for Top Gun. Playing with the boys has got to be for uh, strictly from Top Gun. <laughs> Top Gun's <laughs> so, a big one, so, like we yeah. I mean, Kenny kind of, kind Loggins of, kind of was Mr. 80s, Mr. You know, I'm going to write a song for your movie type of person.
0: Right, right. There's there are some other uh, some some lower class ones. Well, I had the Tiger by Survivor, which was that made it big. That was in uh, the second Rocky, I think, is when it first appeared, and then
1: uh, yeah, second or third, I forget. Yeah.
0: Which. Um We discussed yesterday uh, or not yesterday, last podcast about. Uh, seal in Batman Forever that Mm -hmm. Kiss from a Rose was from that movie. Uh, There's a lot of these. There's a lot of examples. One that's actually in the intro that we haven't brought up is uh, the Celine Dion, My Heart Will Go On for Titanic. And these these songs made a lot of cash.
1: Yeah. The one that sticks out a lot to me and pretty much I don't know. It seemed like changing topics a little bit here but um, it seems like Soundtracks became less popular, kind of like early '90s. And I think like the death knell of that was Brian Adams' "Everything I Do, I Do It for You" from Robin Hood. It just seemed like Wait. after that, everyone was just sick of musical soundtracks, and it took like a long break. I mean, obviously there's going to be exceptions to that, but
0: didn't that my movie mind's also? Eye, yeah, in that movie, didn't? Wasn't it like the after or like the intro? Yeah, or, sorry, the, like the, intro, our, the The credits were like a music video was the of music it. Music video, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, the song's, you know, it's not bad, but I mean, it just got overkilled, and you know, it's your typical love ballad. And I just remember just cringing every time after that. Just like so. Oh what, so
0: it, you're just talking about an example of like what what spoiled you on that movie? Or yeah, like, and that
1: was another song I think that was made just for that movie. Yeah, too. yeah.
0: There were two. I don't know. These songs weren't made just for the movie, but uh, uh Six Plants, None the Richer, "Kiss Me." I always hate catching that now. It's just every time I hear it, I just want to throw up. I think it's from uh. <laughs> Um, she's all that, I think is, yeah, the, that sounds the, right, yeah. and I just, oh man, I can't stand that song. And the other one that that's more just unnerving when I catch it, which was, uh, the Q Lazarus goodbye horses from silence of the lambs. The song where, uh, the bad guys dancing around pretty much naked. Doing and, the talk. And, yeah. Doing <laughs> the talk. If, if you were, which shows up in the, Clerks too, I think. Also, <laughs> where they they sort of parody it. And yes, yep. When I hear that song, it's it's I just sort of want to close my eyes. And yeah,
1: yeah I've had that. Had people say that same reaction about uh, the Steeler real song with "Stuck in the Middle with You." Yeah, It's like I had someone ask me to turn it off because she just couldn't stop thinking about the ear cutting off scene from Reservoir. Right, right. But another so another person who actually seems to, to you know try his hand at making songs just for movies is Bruce Springsteen. I mean, he's got. Uh, Uh, Philadelphia, which you know won an Oscar, I believe. Uh, Dead Man Walking. I don't know if he won for that, but that was another good one. And like the wrestler, everyone thought he got shunned pretty much at the Oscars for not getting nominated for that, because a lot of people were thinking he might be a favorite for that. So he's tried his hand at that and pretty successfully, I think.
0: Yeah, that is that is the Oscar category, right? Like original song made for made for the movie. Correct. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, There, a thing that dominates that category usually is. uh, Disney movies, right? Like all there's all those, you know, inspirational Michael Bolton, you know, just t- take it or leave it song that pretty much every Disney movie has. I think uh Elton John's Circle of Life is a giant example of that. And that's yeah. one that's actually made it made it, you know, another billion dollars and Yeah, that
1: was that's actually number 7 on the top 10 of all-time soundtracks.
0: Oh, the the Lion King?
1: Correct, yeah. And okay. I think he's I mean that's predominantly Elton John music on there, I believe. Yeah, right? yeah, it
0: is. I think a lot of it is. Um, but it seems, uh, it seems like that category was made almost for anim- animated movies.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely is. Always got a front runner. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who it was this year. I think that Slumdog had two, and then I don't remember who the third one was. There was a third one, which is yeah. another weird thing. Is there was only three this year. Another reason they thought the Bruce uh, Springsteen got shunned because they didn't even fill it's, all the It's the, the boss's political stats. views. People don't, people
0: don't like the boss. I like the boss.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. Politics is anti wrestling. What can you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'd be remiss if we, you know, talked about this topic and didn't bring up Cameron Crowe.
0: That's true. That's true. We, yeah, I did sort of skip over him.
1: He's a director who, I mean, he just seems to go hand in hand with making movies that have great soundtracks. Um, obviously, I've talked about almost famous before in the past, so I won't talk about it too much here, but, I mean, that's a good one. Um, Vanilla Sky, it's got a good soundtrack. It's even, one of the songs is like, in the movie with Tom Cruise singing it when he's singing, uh, One of Us by Joan Osborne at the top of his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he does that too. And, uh, Jerry Maguire now, I think about it. doesn't Yeah, he Free Sing, Fallen uh, by, Free Tom Fallen. Yep. Um, Singles is his, uh, that's a huge grunge album. has got, you know, uh, Pearl Jam, Chris Cornell, you know, Mother Love Bone, all that stuff. So. Yeah, um, yeah. really good songs on that.
0: Before I forget, yeah. Vanilla Sky, uh, another yeah, a great soundtrack has Sigur Ros in it. REM, Radiohead. I think you have Sweetness Follows, and yeah, I think uh, everything's in, in its there. right place. Um, one thing that isn't Wes Anderson, also Cameron Crowe does. Sigur Ros shows up, which we've discussed. I think once or twice is another uh, uh, Icelandic band, and they do a lot of um, pretty much. Jargon lyrics, but just the progression in those songs is amazing, and they show up now and again. I'd recommend you guys, uh, l- look, them up a little bit, call it to yourselves. Get some really good stuff there. And, uh, yeah, I guess while we're discussing, uh, movies that immediately strike, a strike, uh, strike some interest are, one thing I want to bring up was The Virgin Suicides and also Lost in Translation, which are two both, uh, Sophia Coppola movies, okay. where she actually does a decent job, uh, with the soundtrack. She used Air in, in a lot of The Virgin Suicides. Air actually did. Sort of an original soundtrack, so that might be sort of cheating today, but um, also it shows up in Lost in Translation, and she brings back uh, Death in Vegas and Jesus and Mary Chain, uh, just like Honey, in that movie that were just amazing for a send-off in the end of that movie. And uh, I'm a big fan of Lost in Translation, though, too, so take take that for what it's worth.
1: Yeah, I've only seen that movie once, and I do remember the music being pretty prominent in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, One thing about the the 80s, going back to that for a second, is it seems like a lot of them, even though I think there's like four of the top ten soundtracks are from the 80s, but I think a lot of the 80s fall into the category, and this is kind of why I prefer instrumental over pop music, is like only one song will stick out. Um, John Hughes was... Kind of a good example that. His movies, um, Breakfast Club had Don't You Forget About Me, and that one song was really good, but other than that, I don't remember a whole lot from it. Weird mm. Science obviously had Weird Science. Um, Pretty yeah, and Ch- Pink had a couple, I think it had Pretty Pink and If You Leave. Yeah, John Hughes was the
0: Brat Pack guy, right? Yeah, sure. exactly.
1: Uh, Ferris Bueller had that "Oh yeah" song, although it did have Dunker Shane in there. Oh, and the twist and shout. So yeah, twist and shout. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cameron Crow's say anything was actually like that too. Or "In Your Eyes" was just the the mega song in that.
0: Well, all right. Well, to throw it right, throw your point right back at you. Empire Strikes Back. What song do you think of there?
1: lot of them i think of the the main theme Darth you're Vader's crazy, theme you're crazy you think of, you think I'm, of you
0: think of the you think of the imperial march imperial march
1: you don't think of the normal star wars theme come on that's no. a, that's
0: pretty big. all right whatever so you win you win this one One point for you <laughs> um, Isn't it so much better with jeff with jeff not being here like we get so much more done so i much, know it's really it's weird it's like
1: you know we're getting progress and so <laughs> it's very strange
0: very true there are uh, a few other things uh I want to discuss before we move on to uh, the Parker Posey play-along. Uh, you did mention Top Gun. Was Top Gun on that top top 10 all-time? Uh, yes, number nine. I'm not surprised. And then we we haven't discussed, we don't want to discuss it, but we haven't discussed Bodyguard, which must have made Billions, which was the Whitney Houston vehicle. That was the number one. Yeah. Is it really? Is it the number yeah, one still? it's that's wow. number one.
1: And her waiting to exhale is just off the list at like 12 or
0: something. Jeez, that's crazy. That's crazy. There was a... Um, <laughs> yep. I, I don't remember. Did we uh, did, did we discuss Garden State yet? Which is a movie that's actually remind me of the John Hughes because uh, there's a song by the, the Shins called uh, "New Slang" in that movie, and that w- that one was really big. Like it was sort of like out overshadowed in a lot of the other movies. There was a uh, a postal service song, a different version. I forget who covered it. Which was also big on that soundtrack, but that did a really, really well. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that one stuck out more because it doesn't even mention it in the dialogue. Just like, oh, have you ever heard of them?
0: Oh, yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. That, yeah, and The wing.
1: So, yeah, that was that's a good one. Another good movie, too, by the way. Someone else who shows up in a lot of uh, soundtracks are The Stones, and I know he's probably got, like, or they probably have, like, four appearances on Wes Anderson
0: movies. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, But Scorsese uses them a lot, too. He's got also, I think, like, four or five examples of that, and one of which he loves, uh, Gimme Shelter. He's used it in a a few few movies, like The Departed, and I want to say Goodfellas, too. But, yeah, and Scorsese seems to... He likes the music, but he th- seems to be stuck in that one genre, which is fine with me. It's one of my favorite genres. But, um, yeah, he even did that uh, Shine a Light concert uh, movie. I don't know if you're familiar with that, no, right? No. but uh, Yeah, it was just pretty much a concert documentary for the Stones. But, uh, I mean, the Stones in general, they also have, like, Painted Black from Full Metal Jacket, which I really love. Uh, Sympathy De- from the Devil, uh, plays at the, the end of the movie Fallen. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's really perfect for that. Uh, I yeah, think that's, even though, that's
0: with uh, 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 Denzel Washington, right? Is yeah, yeah, yeah John Goodman. Okay. Yep. Yep.
1: And then the Guns N' Roses version, which me and my cousin Rogie will argue about which is better. But um, <laughs> they also have a version of Sympathy for the Devil, which plays during the uh, the ending of Interview with a Vampire. All great songs, all good usage of the song. So I, I think uh, the Stones kind of seem to lend themselves to the movie world very well.
0: Yeah, you you also hear like uh the thing that remind when you brought up Martin Scorsese from the departed is uh the Irish punk song in the beginning that ended up actually launching a lot of, a lot of cash after that came out and he I didn't ever really uh peg Martin Scorsese as a as a music guy but I, I see your points for sure and uh I didn't know I didn't really figure the Rolling Stones uh, infatuation either.
1: Yeah, he seems to be in love with them, which is cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Stones fan, cool. and I was surprised to see him in so many Wes Anderson films. I'm uh, like thinking about them individually; I, it doesn't really pop out at me. But then when I was kind of going over, I'm just like, "Oh yeah, he's in tons of Wes Anderson stuff." So yeah, Stones get some play.
0: I think uh Scorsese actually, I think claimed like the next Martin Scorsese is Wes Anderson. Like he was asked about it at one point, like who's the next Martin? Scorsese? Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. He, he, yeah, he uh yeah. he uh, gave Martin, Martin or uh Wes Anderson the nod. Uh, Very cool. Which, by the way, did he ever? Did Martin ever win his uh, Oscar yet for directing? For
1: directing? Yeah, he got it for
0: uh, Departed. Oh, Departed, got it. Yeah, finally. Yeah, Fine.
1: finally. Gosh.
0: I wanted to give a, a final nod to High Fidelity, which I know you mentioned a little earlier with the Beta Band, which is which is a, a, a very good point. But the one thing I remember from that movie is Jack Black doing that that great dance to uh, yeah, the Walking the fat on Sunshine, yeah, <laughs> the, the Fat Man <laughs> dance if it were uh, to Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, which is a great band name too, by the way, Katrina and the Waves. And yes. uh, that movie obviously is about music, and the soundtrack kicks fucking ass. So I just wanted to give that one lash out.
1: Yes, and uh, if people are just looking for you know a couple of really good soundtracks, uh, Days and Confuse is great for 70s rock and roll, and uh, Reality Bites is good if you like kind uh, of like alternative early 90s. Two of my faves out there.
0: So those are our final our final words from the music in May series. Uh, sorry, Jeff, apologizes again for not making it, but hope you guys enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your comments at uh, gungapit.com or the Movie Hour uh, the Movie Hour page on Facebook, and we'll do more things like this, especially if uh, we get a lot of feedback about it. It. And I know James, James and I at least had a really good time. And uh, the show's not over yet, though. It's uh, it's, it's Parker Posey play-along time, which, uh, James, I believe yours was last week.
1: Uh, yeah, my question from last week was, uh, what movie did you find to be the biggest disappointment based on your expectations? And we got a decent amount of responses for that. Um, my favorite would have to be Jeff's because he needs all the support you can on <laughs> his recovery time. <laughs>
0: Oh, the Return of the King, that's 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 oh come on, come on. The one thing I wanted to bring up that I really liked about uh the answers was uh user Scott P's um, what's what's the word? Slowly getting to the the real Scott P on how he walked out on Leprechaun and I forget the other movie you mentioned, but I can't believe he didn't like the leprechaun movies. Come on, Scott. Come on. The leprechaun <laughs> movies? That's all you hate? I-
1: I have no comment on that I can't say one way or another. I never saw any of them, And yeah, yeah. it'll probably stay that way.
0: I am sort of surprised also at uh Jarve's answer, which was uh Daredevil, which I don't know how anybody had expectations for that movie. He claimed like you know he's a big comic book guy and he uh he uh he claimed that he had actually heard from somebody that it was good and it uh, I'm sorry, Jarv, but I can't believe you had any expectations yeah for i'm i'm
1: I'm more sorry that you know. He had expectations then I am that the expectations weren't met, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that.
0: You don't like Ben Affleck? I thought he was like your second boy or something. He certainly mm-hmm. looks a little bit like Josh Berlin, a little bit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not so much.
0: <laughs> so uh, the Parker Posey's play along where we will bring up a, a question weekly and you will, uh, we'll answer it live and we will be bringing it to the boards at uh, the Gunga Pit and also on Facebook where you can, uh, you can answer and play along a, as it goes. And my question, this week this one's a little another support for jeff this one's i'm a
1: little scared by the way just because you know i don't have anyone to answer before me install yeah yeah you're screwed this is
0: in memoriam of jeff so i'm asking everyone and uh and james what movie do you watch to make yourself feel better and maybe this will give jeff some ideas to to throw in at home when he's still recovering from his bubonic plague or whatever he has and so, what movie do you watch, like, when you're feeling down, or maybe when you're feeling sick, even, to make yourself feel better? Um, I know we talk about inspirational movies a little bit, but this is, this is, this is different. One movie that's definitely not inspirational that makes me feel better when I watch it is Office Space. Um, Office Space is a movie that, uh, explaining it a little bit, it's about, uh, a group of, uh, people that work in cubicles that decide that they're, you know, their life's in the shitter, things are getting worse, so let's take things into our, let's take Destiny into our own hands and try to do something, and, it's not as amazing as that, but... It's, I might have exaggerated a little bit, but I just love we don't how... don't exaggerate on this show. Yeah, we don't exaggerate, sorry. Um, I just love how, you know, these... Like, I'll watch this, I'm, you know, I, I think... Today sucked. Let's watch these guys. Okay, these guys, their lives suck too, and they made it sort of funny at the end, and it, it ended up working out for everyone pretty much. And I, I liked, I liked that movie. It's also mindless, so you can just watch it and laugh a little bit. So do you have a um, movie actually, that, that you yeah, watch?
1: Yeah, actually, as soon as you read the question, one popped in my head, and I think it's a great answer for me. Awesome. Unfortunately, unfortunately I'm going to sound a little bit like a broken record here, but uh, I'm going to go Don't say, almost say almost famous. <laughs> yes, almost <laughs> famous is
0: correct. Okay, so why does it, why does it make you feel better?
1: Well, for one thing, the music in it is great and it's got some kind of uplifting tunes in it. You know, the tiny dancer is good and you know, that sort of stuff. Um, but also, I mean, he kind of gets thrown in this great world of rock and roll, but it starts to go sour after a little bit. But then when things look pretty, you know, pretty dark, like he got, you know. Yeah disrespected like crazy or whatever at the end he has some vindication and it, it all works out so <laughs> overall whenever i feel like i need you know, to feel good
0: i love throwing that movie in A little cheer me up yeah so, uh, the question to everyone, all the listeners at home and, uh, via the internet, uh, what movie do you watch to make yourself feel better? We're trying to get some ideas. So, so Jeff can throw some, some movies in at home. Maybe. Yeah. He
1: can like participate in the Parker Posey like a normal person. It's going to be weird. <laughs> weird.
0: Yeah. That's right. Um, so please, uh, you can answer at gungapit.com or go to, uh, the movie hour page on Facebook. And, uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you, uh, uh, James for the input. Well,
1: I hope everyone enjoyed, and uh, I want to thank everyone who had the uh, candlelight vigil outside (laughs) Jeff's room.
0: Yeah, get well soon, Jeff. Get well soon, Jeff. We'll hope uh, he'll join us next week. And thank you all again. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our final Music in May segment and the Music in May series in general. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Uh, The Martha Plimpton Speed Dating Movie Hour.